Keeping It With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is brought to you by TKM Incorporated. This company located in Moss, Tennessee, specializes in erosion control, hydro-seeding, hydro-mulch, silt fence. They do minor excavation work, and they also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their mission is keeping people safe. Their passion is wishing that all men could be saved. TKM stands for The King's Men. If you'd like to contact The King's Men, you can contact them at 931-243-3958, 931-243-3958, or you may email them at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. The King's Men, in partnership with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure is sponsored by SJNL General Contractors. SJNL General Contractors is licensed in both Alabama and Tennessee. This family-owned business provides mass grading, storm drainage, sewer and concrete improvement, asphalt paving, erosion control, demolition, and heavy hauling. If you're in need of any of these services, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. If you'd like to be employed by this family-owned company, three W's and a dot, sjnl.com, www.sjnl.com. I was reasonably sure that I would not find an alligator. I was actually dubious that we would even see any water. It had been hot. It had been dry. There had been no rain. But Rowan is fascinated with alligators, and the kids were spending a couple of days with us. And I said, well, let's go walk on the boardwalk over there at the swamp area where they take the the, the students on the nature hikes. And then let's see if we can maybe even see at least maybe, you know, a snapping turtle or something. So we drive out on I-565, and we find the little county road exit, and we park at the gravel parking lot. And we start walking down the little uh, gravel trail that turns into a a, a wooden boardwalk and we go walking out and we walk a long way and there's not any water but we did find some animal tracks in the hardening mud and i got to show gunner hey this is the front paw of a beaver this is the back paw of a beaver this is a deer track this is a raccoon track this could possibly be an armadillo hey and this might even have been a bobcat track and we go all the way to the end of this boardwalk and we finally find some water and looking over the water, Gunner says, hey, there's a snake. And sure enough, coiled up on this little log on the outside of the railing of the boardwalk is this little water moccasin. So we take some pictures of it, and we can blow up the pictures or enlarge them and say, hey, look at look at the way his eye looks. And now, this is only true in North America, but if a snake's eye has a slit like a, like a cat's eye, then it's a venomous snake. And you can also look at the shape of the head, and you can also look between the eye and the, the end of the nose, and there's a heat-sensing pit, uh, we, and that makes it a pit viper. 
Uh, our snakes that are venomous have 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 a have a, uh, a pit. They're pit vipers. They have a uniquely shaped head. There's a clear distinction between the neck and the head. Uh, you know, hold your hand out with all your fingers straight, and your wrist and your hand, you know, almost look like one unit. Make a fist with your hand, and you see that your your fist is round and your wrist is small. Well, a venomous snake kind of has that uh, configuration on his head, and and so you know, there's some really cool lessons that we got to do with the grandkids. And so we talked about nature and we talked about the water levels and we talked about the seasonal dryness and the seasonal wetness and of all the cool things that you get to talk about with your grandkids. I was unprepared for the discussion I was gonna have at the McDonald's. Now, when we were young parents and Lonnie Beth was little, we would go to McDonald's and, and let her eat and play on the play place and, and burn off some energy. And now all the play places are enclosed they're air conditioned. We've just been walking in the arid swamp. And so we're driving home and the decision was made, you know, instead of cooking supper, we'll just buy them supper and we'll sit here at the McDonald's and let them eat supper and burn off some energy. And as we walk into the McDonald's, we pass or have to go through this small group of people standing at the door. And I'm relatively sure it was three young ladies. Now, when I tell you that I'm relatively sure that they were three young ladies, two of them absolutely young ladies. Uh, they they were older girls, you know, in their teenage years, and and then and and they were a little larger than their friend. But their friend that was there, you could tell she was a young well, at least topographically, she was a young lady. I, this is a a family friendly podcast, so you know, look right around the shoulder line. You go, hey, I think that's probably a young lady. But she was wearing, and by wearing, I don't mean it was fake. It wasn't painted on. It wasn't brushed on. It was growing. But she was wearing a a a mustache and a beard, and had long black hair. A perfect resemblance of Johnny Depp. And we walk into the McDonald's between these individuals, and, and Gunner looks at me and says, Papa Jonesy, why did that lady have a beard? This is when your pawpaw filter kicks in. This is when you're thankful you have a pawpaw filter. Because the things that ran through my mind trying to get out of my mouth were things I should not say to a five-year-old. There's things I shouldn't probably say to anybody. Had this question been asked me by Bob DeNoon or Jason Brightwell, there's no telling what would have come out of my mouth. But I looked at Gunner and said, son, I, I don't really know. Maybe they're playing dress up. Maybe they're working out the details for their Halloween costume. Maybe they've been in a theatrical production. Maybe they've been in a play. I really don't know why this person who looks like a female in one way has, has a Johnny Depp beard and, and mustache in the other. And so that's spinning around in my head. Did I handle this right? Was I politically correct? Was I kind? Was I not judgmental? And then I walk into the McDonald's and there's a kiosk. Now, I've been to McDonald's a lot, and I've been to lots of McDonald's. And my experience at McDonald's is I want to walk up to the counter. I want to place my order. I want to give you my money. I want to get my order. I want you to call out a number, number 254, and I want to go get my food. I don't want you to ask me for my name, and I don't want to deal with a kiosk. I want a pleasant experience when I'm spending money for overpriced cheap food that's bad for you. 
you know, I, I like the Chick-fil-A experience. Welcome to Chick-fil-A. It'd be my pleasure to serve you. You know, yada, yada, yada. Can I carry you to the parking lot? That kind of stuff. Okay. I, I like the Chick-fil-A experience. I don't like, uh, I typically don't like the Taco Bell experience. I walked into Taco Bell one time. There was nobody in there but me and the people behind the counter. The young lady was on her phone and she was leaned up against the counter. She looked at me and said, yeah, what do you want? Well, somewhere between Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell, you, hey, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order, please? But I want it to be a person. If somebody messes up my order, I want it to be somebody. I don't want it to be me. I want to get stuck on this machine. I don't want the machine to freeze up. I don't want the machine to ask me questions I don't know how to answer. I can't track my order. Gunner is going to want a cheeseburger, but he's going to want a cheeseburger with cheese, meat, and ketchup only. I don't know how to do that on the silly kiosk. Yes, I'm that much of a senior citizen. I, I'm, I'm that much of a curmudgeon. I do not want to fool with this machine. So I bypass the machine and walk up to the counter. The young lady behind the counter looks at me like, oh boy, I've got an illiterate fool here who can't use the little silly machine. I said, like, can I just place my order here traditionally? She says, you can't place your order here unless you're going to pay in cash. Well, now the, the part of me that is tired and the part of me that is weary, the part of me that, that has a mean streak grins to myself. I said, well, yeah, I can pay in cash. I think about, now. do I really want to pay in cash? Then I look back, and, and Johnny Depp and his entourage, or her entourage, is, is at the kiosk machine. I see the pirate of the Caribbean w w with his mermaids, and I decide, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stand in line behind this crowd and have to ask and answer more unfortunate questions for my grandson. So I go, you know what? Here's my order. She tells me my order is going to be exactly $20. Well, that makes me very happy. Exactly $20. I reach in my pocket, pull out my wallet, open my wallet, and the only thing I have in it is a $100 bill. Now, I don't walk around carrying mad stacks of Benjamins in my wallet. Somebody at my practice had paid for a session in cash, and I had not been to the bank, and I had this $100 bill. I knew I had cash, and so I hand this lady a $100 bill. Young lady behind the counter can't be more than 17 years old. She looks at me with panic in her eyes. What do I do with this? She steps away from the counter and gets one of her coworkers in there conferring over this $100 bill like I've handed them the Magna Carta or the lost pages of the book of Isaiah. And all of a sudden now there's a manager out here and they're looking at this, this money and the manager goes back to the office and I'm standing here in line and, and they're wasting all this time. And she finally comes out and she puts my my little marker on the counter, you know, hey, put this on your table, bring your food. And she looks at this, this stack of money she has in her hands, and, and she counts it to herself, and she hands it to me, and no thank yous, no you're welcome, no niceties or anything else. And, and I walk to the table and put my little thing on the, on the table waiting for them to bring me my food, and I start to put the money in my wallet, and just something inside me, the tremor in the force, my spider sense tingled, said, you better count this cash. And I counted it, and it was wrong. <laughs> and it was bad wrong. And I'll tell Jackie, look, I, I've got to go fix this thing. They, they, they gave me the wrong change. And so I walk up to the counter, and the girl that didn't wait on me intercepts me and goes, do you have a problem? And I well, uh, I, I, I think the young lady that gave me my change gave me the wrong amount of change. And, and she said, well, what makes you think she gave you the wrong amount of change? I said, can I just speak to her, please? So she puts her hands on her hips and wiggles her head in a way that is disrespectful, at least in my eyes. And she gets her little compadre up there. And now I've got, you know, the, the dynamic duo standing here at the counter. And I said, I think you gave me the wrong change. And her friend said, well, what makes you think she gave you the wrong change? I said, young lady, when I paid for my food, 
did I give you a $100 bill? She said, yes, sir, you gave me a $100 bill. Now she probably feels like she's being set up for some kind of a scam. You know, I know that you know that I know you know I gave you a $100 bill, and I'm going to ask for some more money back. I said, well, since you know I gave you a $100 bill, and my meal cost 20 bucks, would you count the change? And so she grabs the ha handful of change I gave her, and she begins to count. And she's exasperated. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 120, 140. And then things get real uncomfortable. I said, now the way I understand it, I'm paying you to eat your food. But under the current situation, you're going to pay me $60 to eat a cheeseburger. I don't think that's the way McDonald's works. Now they're laughing. She gives a big, heavy sigh of relief. She puts her hand on her chest and said, Sir, you probably just saved my job. Because she'd given me 140 bucks. I gave her a $100 bill. My, what I owed for the food was 20 and she gave me back $140. i am making 60 bucks. Well, I guess I'm only really actually making 40 but she's paying me 60 bucks to eat a cheeseburger. And I said, well, I just wanted to make sure that we got the change, and we got the change right. It was amazing the change we got. You see, I came up to the counter, and, and I said, look, I'm trying to fix a problem. And I wasn't trying to fix my problem. I was trying to fix her problem. And at first, she didn't appreciate it. She didn't want to be told how to do her job. She didn't want to be told that she'd done her job wrong. She didn't want to be told she'd made a mistake, and she didn't really want to deal with me. Well, I guess I'm that way, too. I don't like it when, when you approach me about a problem. I don't like it when you tell me I've done something wrong. I don't like it when you tell me I am wrong. You know, sometimes, even though I'm not happy about it, when somebody approaches me with a problem... It may not be their problem they're trying to fix. They may be trying to fix a problem that I've got. See, the problem is not theirs, it's yours. And, and if somebody approaches you and they say, look, we need to talk about this, and either this wasn't done or this needs to be done or this wasn't done right, when somebody approaches us and they want to fix a problem and, and the problem is ours, we can be rude, we can be standoffish, we can be in denial, we can be condescending, we can be mad, we can be uncomfortable. But you know what? We can accept that we were wrong. We can, we can listen. We can accept responsibility. We can accept accountability. And then once I accept responsibility and once I accept accountability, then the next thing that I do or the next thing I say will be an appropriate action. You see, when someone tries to correct my problem, it's, it's not that they've got a problem, but they've recognized that I've got a problem and they're trying to help me fix it. When, when that happens... And, and I take that advice and I listen and I accept responsibility and I act appropriately, then the end result of that is when you bring this to me and I do what's right when you point out my mistakes, you know what you get? <laughs> you get the correct change. Godly sorrow works repentance that leads to salvation not to be regretted. 
when I recognized that I was wrong, that I did wrong, I did something wrong, or I failed to do something right, and you point it out to me and I accept it, then the change that occurs, the change you get back, is the correct change. Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. I am your host, Lonnie Jones. My wife Jackie and I moved to the city of Huntsville in 1986 for me to be a youth and family minister. I have been a minister since 1980. I have served in this community as a police chaplain assigned to a SWAT team since 1992. And I've been in private practice as a licensed professional counselor since 1998. I'm also an adventure educator and an avid outdoorsman. I dabble in rock climbing and I goof around with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Our life has been full of many wonderful experiences and some just outright adventures. I used to write about those things in a little church bulletin article. So now instead of asking you to read those things, we're just going to talk about them in our podcast. And as we talk about them, we're going to talk about the facts. The facts lead to concepts and the concepts lead to application. One caveat about the facts is for the most part, we're going to tell you the facts just as they happened. But every now and then, we're going to tell you the way other people have told us they remember it happening with a little bit of embellishment. It's all good, clean, fun, and for educational purposes. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy Keeping Up with Jones. <laughs>